You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded in many places across the world. In Australia, it's recorded on the lands of the Wadawurrung, Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past and present, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures and the hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. We also pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hey Michelle, it's great to be back with you for another Lead to Soar. It is indeed, Mel. Thank you for organizing once again. Yeah, so we promised our listeners in the episode before this that we were going to talk about gaslighting at work and how to deal with it. And, you know, gaslighting gets a lot of attention in the romantic sphere of relationships, but uh, we don't see it talked about quite as much in the professional sphere. So let's give listeners the basics first. So talk to us, how would you describe gaslighting? How does it manifest in a workplace? Yeah, so gaslighting is, as you said, it's it's been the domain of, and I've got to say, in all honesty, I hadn't really come across the term until you know recently. So I think, as you said, it's gathered a little bit more steam. But it's it's a form of emotional abuse, and well, it is emotional abuse. It is bullying, but it's going to sound like, feel like, and sound like uh, people um, saying things to you like, oh. Don't overreact or you're overreacting. Don't be ungrateful. Actually, that's not what happened, Mel. You know, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's it's people deflecting their responsibility for their, their own poor behaviours or avoiding it, but also kind of really making you question and doubt yourself. That's the stuff. And the gaslighting piece is, I think it might, oh, okay, it might be me. I think it's just me, not them. It's them. It's not you, it's them. This form of toxic behaviour is particularly insidious. It can't be ignored if it's happening in your workplace because the victims of, of this gaslighting, it can cause anxiety, depression, even nervous breakdowns. It can cause the victim to even question their own sanity. So how might a listener discern that they're being gaslit at work? Meaning how do they know they're on the receiving end of this type of bullying or abuse? And not simply as opposed to dealing with just like a tough boss. Mm. So things that that you can be listening out for or looking out for, if someone consistently makes you question your version of events. So, well, no, Mel, that didn't happen in that meeting. It didn't happen that way. You, you, you're actually relaying the, the wrong recount. You go, oh, okay. Now, we can have differences of opinion about points in time and what have you, but it may well, you know, one-offs are not gaslighting. It's consistent. So you've consistently got a person saying, you've got it wrong. You've got it wrong. You might find yourself always having to be the person who offers the olive branch. Oh, I'm really sorry that I made you so upset that you yelled at me. You know, like, really? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I, I provoked you. Yes, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry that I caused you. And it's so funny because I'm actually, I shouldn't say this, but my daughter once wrote me a note. She was a prolific note writer uh, when she was a very little girl. And she wrote me a note, dear mummy, I'm so sorry that my, that I made you yell so loud at me that my ears hurt. (laughs) And I went, 
what is that? I'm thinking, oh my God, I have to deal with this child. But anyway, so you are constantly apologizing and trying to smooth the waters to make them behave themselves, even though they're the ones who who have caused this issue to happen. You will be feeling like, well, perhaps I am overreacting. Look, I should put this in context. And look, I don't really, you know, it doesn't matter that I never get asked to speak at the team meeting. It really, in the big scheme of things, that doesn't really matter. Oh, it doesn't really matter that I don't get invited to the meetings where, you know, the strategy is being discussed for the team. Actually, it doesn't really matter that they forgot to invite me to the conference and I had to remind that that doesn't matter. That's just stuff that happens, bulldust. Then making excuses for their behaviour. So I recall one boss who I had, I've had these two particular bosses that every time I write or talk about this, their faces float before my eyes. And I remember coming out of, and you know, I was very, very senior at this time. So make no mistake, folks, it can happen at every level. Came out of this latest meeting and one of my colleagues said, I just can't deal with the way he treats you. Did you notice that he's, you know, I went, uh, yeah, but you know, that's okay. I, He's got a really big job and look, he's under a lot of pressure at the moment and, you know, so-and-so is riding his tail about this initiative we're trying to deliver. It, it's okay. Look, I can deal with it. I, I'm okay. I can deal with it. And I would do that consistently until kind of the end. I went, well, could you not step in and say something? Because I sure as shit can't. And the other thing is, is the, the the point where you start to think I'm losing the plot here. And again, I'll be really transparent. I I started to experience 4am panic attacks, severe anxiety under the under a gaslighter. And we talked about the, the brilliant jerk in our previous episode. And if you want to go back, the example I gave then is this person. This person gaslit me so badly, which I didn't know at the time. And I thought I was the only one that I was, I would sit bolt upright at 4am in the morning having what I thought was a really bad asthma attack, but it was actually a panic attack because I couldn't breathe. I got really upset. My heart was racing and it was the workplace environment that I was in. So I thought that I was slowly losing my mind and that something was going on. And I did, I I had to get medical intervention for it. And it wasn't until, you know, some further discussions with both my wife and of course my medical professional that they said, shoot, this is your workplace. You know, yes, you've got some stuff going on here, but you've got to remove yourself from this workplace. Anyway, so you start to question your own sanity and don't realize that it's actually the environment that you're in that is causing it. Yeah. So I've got a couple thoughts here that are not in our run sheet here. So I'm going to do my best to pull this together. You and I have talked about a couple other forms of gaslighting slash bullying in the workplace too, that I just want to mention. So it can also look like not being invited to meetings or not being included on emails that have information that's important to your work. It can also look like undermining and, you know, these things are all really tightly related, right? The not including you on communication and undermining, let's say, tasks that you've been given and then perhaps moving them around without telling you. So that that's one thing. Uh, the other thing that as you were talking just there that this reminded me of, and again, this came up for me in my life in the context of a romantic relationship, but I, it has carryover to professional relationships as well. So somebody a long time ago introduced me to 
what's called the cycle of abuse. So if you Google cycle of abuse, you can find little diagrams that show this to you. And the and gaslighting is part of this. So cycle of abuse, the simple version has four sort of pieces of the pie or, or four pieces that go around in the little in the little circle round and round. Starts with tension building, breakdown of communication, number one, moves on to an incident, some sort of outburst, anger, an argument, blaming, threats, intimidation, and then moves to number three, reconciliation, where the gaslighter, the abuser, the person harassing you apologizes, make makes excuses, or like we were talking about a moment ago, you apologize because they convince you that it's your fault. And so then you have a period of calm. It's almost like a honeymoon period. That's number four. And then the cycle starts all over again. So So interesting, Mel, because I had spoke to a woman yesterday who illustrated that perfectly. She said, oh, I said, how, you know, how things? And she said, you know, it was good for a while, but he's at it again. And, And this is a workplace matter. And you know, behaves himself, they have a, you know, something will end up. Now, this woman is a very senior, you know, executive level woman, extraordinarily strong, skilled, capable, competent, but has been subjected to this, the behaviour of this individual in everything you've just talked about. But there will be a confrontation because she does try to smooth. Oh, it's okay. You know, we'll smooth it over, blah, 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 blah. But there'll be a confrontation. There'll be a blow up. There'll be an apology. I'm so sorry. And listeners, if if you've experienced family and domestic violence, I'm, this will be potentially triggering for you, but it is so much like domestic and family violence or violence against women. The perpetrator will apologise, will inflict the violence, apologise, I'm so sorry, you made me do it. You made me do it. Look what you made me do. They'll apologise profusely, flowers, you know, whatever, and then it starts again. There'll be a honeymoon period, then it starts again. This happens in the workplace as well. And as I said, this woman yesterday said, oh, he's at it again. I went, here we go again. So, yeah, it's uh, so the purpose of us having this conversation is not to shout or or shake our fists at the sky about it. It's actually about to say, we want you to know what this is so that you can recognise it. Because so many of us don't recognise, you know, it's like the, oh, poor frogs, but, you know, it's like the frog. You put a frog in what is it, cold water and bring the water to the boil, it doesn't realise it's boiling. So, you know, we're we're being boiled and we don't even realise it. Completely. I couldn't see this cycle in my own relationship years ago until someone, you know, showed it to me on this diagram and then it was like, oh, okay, this isn't good. I know. And this is what happened with this this person because we were talking she said, and I went blah, 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 and I was actually writing, I, I wrote a social media post about gaslighting. and she went, oh, my God, that's me. This is what's happened. I went, yeah. I said, tell me what it, yeah, this is it. So we want you to know that it's not you, it's them. We want you to recognise the signs of gaslighting. Whether it's a one-off, it's sustained gaslighting. So, you know, we there are interpersonal conflicts that happen in every relationship, in every workplace. It's not the one-offs. This is not one-offs, folks. And, you know, constructive conflict is really good for business. This is, as you said, Mel, it's insidious. It makes me feel bad. I feel bad when I'm in this person's company or in this environment. I don't feel good. And that's, that should be your first first thing. Do I feel good about the environment that I'm in with, when I'm with this person or exposed to this person or do I feel bad? 
And that's that's got to be a, a bit of a cornerstone assessment. And if you feel bad, do I feel bad all of the time or just some of the time? So, and anyway, so we're getting into solution mode now, but we want you to know the difference and we want you to recognise when it's happening to you. And, and particularly for leaders as well. If you notice a person, if she's suddenly off the boil or if she's, you know, you think, well, gee, Mel's quiet or Mel's, she's really just, her performance has dropped, you know. Again, thinking about our previous episode, let me listen to Mel. Let me ask her a couple of really open-ended questions and let me hear about her workplace experience and let me think about that because maybe something's going on here. Anyway, back to you, Mel. Yeah, so let's get into solution mode now. And There's several different ways that we want to go. So there's self-preservation and some sanity measures and then there's things that you can do in the workplace and then there's leaving, making an exit. So walk us through some of the different things that someone who's who's being abused in this way can do. So self-preservation is a really good start because not everyone has the choice to go, see you later, I'm out of here. And I just had a really great conversation with a, a wonderful workplace psychologist this morning. Go on, Mel, what were you going to say? Well, yeah, you just said that not, not everyone can say, see you later, I'm out of here. And you're right. That's so true. And let and and let's say this is why the FU fund is so important. Oh, every yes. every woman needs the fuck you fund, whether it's so you can exit a toxic job or a toxic relationship. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that that was a very good, uh, very good digression. Self preservation and the wonderful woman I spoke to this morning, workplace psychologist, and actually we're going to have her in a career that soars to talk to this subject. What do I do if I find myself in a toxic workplace when I'm being gaslit? So members of a career that soars, that is coming up because it's really, really important. She said, what we've got to do is in the whole context of our life, we've got to now minimize work and maximize other stuff. So that would be number one. How do I not have all my eggs in one basket? For me, that was my big learning, Mel. For, for many years, my all of my identity, my self-worth, my confidence, everything was wrapped up in my job. And I had not a lot else going on in my life. Well, my family, obviously. So, of course, when work was awful, my whole life was awful. When I suddenly started to expand my interest, contribute to the community, get involved in my kids' sport, my sport, um, have different, I, I, I minimized that impact. So that that's one way. Think about your external interests, the things that top you up and start focusing on and building a schedule of doing those things so that you can top up your resilience bucket to deal with the crap that you're dealing with at work. You know, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it's dinner with friends, whether it's walking, with whatever it is that makes you happy, find those things that make you happy, do more of them and be very deliberate and intentional about them. Find distance in the workplace. So in one of the examples that I've given in, in you know, the many conversations that we've had, Mel, uh, this particular workplace, I would just find, fortunately, we had a kind of an agile workplace, in other words, hot desking. I would just find myself a spot away from the toxic person or people that I didn't want to be exposed to because I knew self-preservation was about eliminating negative forces on myself as much as I could. So I would work on my own with my team or on my own somewhere distant in the workplace if I could do that. So I think that's another thing. How do you create some distance and give yourself some space just to do your work without the the influence of that people um, around them? Do find an ally. 
whether they are internal or external to your organisation, find an ally that can validate your feelings. I know I sound a bit, you know, psycho-babblish here, but this is the whole thing about people who are gaslighting you. They are invalidating your feelings and they are manipulating you so that your feelings are not worth anything. Find an ally who can validate your feelings and hopefully give you some strategies to look after yourself um, or hopefully if there are an ally of influence, they can intervene on your behalf as appropriate. But find an ally. You, you'll have your own definition of ally. Now, I'm going to be cautious about this next piece of advice and I'm going to refer people to our conversation with Tara Furiani about taking bullshit and fuckery out of the workplace. You can go to your HR business partner, but be careful. HR's role is to protect their leaders and the organisations, at the organisation. So if you may wish to go to HR, I'm just going to leave it there. Please listen to episode 66 with Tara Furiani about taking bullshit out of the workplace and she'll talk to, and you'll learn about fuckeroni pizzas. See, I knew I'd be able to get that into another conversation, Mel. And then finally, exit. And, you know, we, we it, it's an extreme version, but if you have got your fuck off fund and you've got six months worth of salary up your sleeve, just say goodbye and walk out of there. No job is worth your sanity. No job, no job. I don't care whether you're curing cancer or whether you're making widgets or whether you're in a call centre or on a factory line, there is no job and no person that is worth your sanity. So if you can, exit. That's it. Yep. And I will interject here with my favourite personal financial guru, Susie Orman. Susie Orman recommends that every person have a 12-month emergency fund. And I know that sounds like a lot, but when you face a situation like this, you could be very happy to see that, you know what, I have 12 months of money that I can pay all of my bills with. I have the ability to walk away from this situation and I'm going to be fine. That's what we can do if we're being gaslit. And of course, you know, some of those allies, I'm, I'm just going to be absolutely blatant here, Mel. Some of your allies are in a career that soars. You know, one of the literally hundreds of reasons that you and I have a career that soars is so women have a safe space to they join and they've got a safe space to say, I need to be seen and heard and get some advice here from the hundreds of women in our community who have all either experienced or observed or managed uh, gaslighting leaders at every level. Yep, absolutely. Okay. You mentioned something a little bit ago about how leaders can be cognizant when they see a woman's behavior change kind of abruptly at work and doing some invest investigation to find out what's going on with their employees. What else can leaders do? What else should they be on the, the lookout for? How can they detect when this kind of manipulation and gaslighting is happening in their workplace? So I'm going to use a three-part definition or three-part solution that I learned from the CEO of a women's violence, women's refuge You've got to recognise, so you've got to learn, you've got to recognise the signs when someone is being abused, because this is abuse. So recognise it. So figure out what those signs are. We've just given you some of the signs. She may, her performance may have just suddenly plummeted, or it may 
she may be not as confident as she once was, or you actually notice the interpersonal conflict between these two people that is is very one way. So that's number one, recognise, learn how to recognise the signs. And there is so much reading on the grand interweb about gaslighting. There is no shortage of material. The second thing is respond, how to respond. Number one, believe her, please believe her. We are part of gaslighting, particularly at a leadership and a corporate level, is not being believed. Not being believed when you say, I am I am subject to X behavior. So believe her and offer her opportunities to determine how she wants the next period of time to go. That might be, do you want us, what action would you like us to take? Don't assume you know. What action would you like us to take, Mel? Would you like to work in a different location? Would you like to work in a different way? Would you like us? We are going to investigate. We are going to investigate your allegations, absolutely. But until such time as those investigations are complete, how would you, how can we support you? So that is the only way to respond. Don't try and downplay it because that's just gaslighting her as well. Don't say, oh, it's just just, just a thing. That's just so-and-so. He's just always like that. Don't do that. So respond in a way that supports the victim. And then the third thing is refer. Know who to refer her to or the situation to. If you are not skilled at managing uh, interpersonal conflict situations, having coaching conversations, having performance management conversations, having, you know, putting allegations to people, get help. You've got to refer to the right person. And referring at this point as a leader means you must go to your HR area or your workplace relations area. You must get legal advice. You must have that referral piece. So, and then the the other side of refer is refer her. So, Mel, We've got an employee assistance program, which is going, I think will be really useful for you to have an independent person to talk to and talk through to help you with some strategies to manage the situation until we resolve it or something else. So respond, I beg your pardon, recognise, respond, refer. And, you know, I, I think the third or fourth thing, Mel, is just recognise that it does happen and even, and, and I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here, but perhaps the perpetrator has never, ever, ever had the benefit of a conversation about their behaviour, the impact their behaviour is having on other people. So please don't shy away from, with the appropriate upskilling and and help, having a conversation with that person. You cannot let their behaviour continue to be unleashed on others because if this person's doing it to one person, they will do it to more, but they may never have been told So please do have that conversation. Do deal with it. Don't ignore it. Maybe we should talk for a moment about, you know, the importance of candor in feedback at work, right? So cultivating a culture where we're only going to say nice things to people, it opens the door for these extremely devastating sort of cases to happen like you just described, what would you want to say to our listeners about that? It's a great question, Mel. You know, polite isn't isn't what we're looking for. We're not looking for artificially polite. You know, everything's because when you have artificially polite environments, that's where gaslighters thrive because they know that no one's ever going to confront them in an artificially polite, polite environment. And this is where allies can't reach their full power to be good allies to those who are marginalised and victimised. 
So question whether, uh, I think this is a whole other episode, but because I've got a real view about polite work environments. Um, yeah, let's do that, Mel. Let's, let's, let's talk about that separately because there's a really, really, that's a really important one. Listeners, um, stay tuned. Stay tuned because we've just had a we've just had a brain fart. So there you go. You know, polite environments that don't encourage constructive conflict, real authentic conversations, holding each other accountable, calling bullshit when you see it. That's a real that's a big deal. And that's a really big one. And it's a big that is your responsibility as a leader. So let's let's do that. Let's do that, Mel. That's a good one for season five. Sounds good. To wrap us up really quickly here, Michelle, we want our listeners to hear that if you're experiencing gaslighting at work, it's serious. It's not you. It's not your fault. You need to get help. And leaders, you need to learn the signs and seek out support as well if you're not fully equipped to deal with the situation already yourself. Uh, Last thoughts, Michelle? The one call to action that I would have for every person is Google what is gaslighting at work. You will be confronted with a plethora of resources. Go to the reputable ones and learn about it because I can tell you, listeners, the scales will fall from your eyes and you'll go, oh, my God. You'll either go, oh, shit, I know someone like that or I've had that happen to me because then when you know, you can do something about it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Michelle. We'll talk to you next time. Yes. Bye, everybody. Bye. This summer, A Career That Soars is pleased to offer a new, unique experience. Michelle Redfern, Amal Youssef, and myself, Mel Butcher, will be hosting Leadership Is, a live in-person workshop in Madison, Wisconsin, August 11 through 12, 2022. If you are a leader in an organization that's serious about supporting your female talent pipeline, learn more about sending a small cohort of women from your company to the event at leadtosoar.com slash sponsor. That's leadtosoar.com slash sponsor. And if you're a career woman ready to grow your ability to create the outcomes for your organization that matter most, we'd love for you to join us. Visit leadtosoar.com slash leadership is for attendee workshop details. That's leadtosoar.com slash leadership is. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of a career that soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com. 